You are listening to A Week in Football, a weekly Premier League podcast that takes a look back at the previous results and also takes a look forward to the upcoming fixtures and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the next episode. Hello and you're all very welcome back to A Week in Football. My name is Matt Smith and I'm joined as always by Mr Ed Kogan. How are you Ed? All good Matt. International break's over. Happy days. Um, not just over yet for the South American players, but we're going to touch on that later on. But yeah, for the European players, they should all be back with their clubs either today or tomorrow. We're recording this on a Thursday, so they should be back today and tomorrow. But the South American lads are playing tomorrow morning, our time at like half one. So there's a few of the Liverpool boys having to travel on a Friday morning, our time to get over for a half 12 kickoff in Vicarage Road for, against Watford. So it's going to be tight, but listen, we're going to uh, touch on that a little bit later on, I'm sure, when we get get stuck into the upcoming fixtures. But we didn't have any results, um, obviously, because we did a podcast last week after the previous results, um, and then obviously the international break hit. But we did have a couple of results in terms of uh, September awards, Premier League September awards. Uh, goal of the month went to Andros Townsend's screamer that I mentioned on the podcast that it could potentially be goal of the season um, against Burnley, uh, the 30-yard shot. Uh, was a cracker. Um, a little stat came out there. Uh, Andros Townsend is the only player to have won uh, goal of the month three times. Nobody else really? won more than three times. Yeah, that's what I was. I thought that was strange as well. Nobody's won goal of the month more than uh, more than twice apart from Andros Townsend. So that was a strange Jesus, one, wasn't it? That's wild. Yeah, you think back, the... think back into into time, right? And you have the likes of like Martin Gams Pedersen, Lauren Robert. The yeah. likes of Ger- Gerard Scholes, Rooney, even Wayne Rooney scored some absolute crackers. It's that's that's yeah. madness. I know, yeah. And still, even Salah, like, the goals he scores, yeah, unreal. Now I'm delighted for Andrew Townsend. He's really turned his uh, turned his life and career around over the last couple of years, and I'm delighted. I'm, I'm actually am delighted to have him at Everton, a uh, perfect role model as well, and stuff like that. He's he's had tough times, and he's come through them, so I'm delighted for him. And uh, yeah, decent goal, well deserved. To be fair, there was loads of good goals scored that month, but I thought that was the best one out of a lot of them. Um, to be fair, and then obviously. Bit of a controversial one, I suppose. Uh, player of the month went to Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, my opinion on it, yeah, he scored a few goals. They weren't like one of the goals, they were tap-ins. I think it was more of a, um, oh, he's back type of, let's give him the award for the first month. Yeah, it's not, it, in my opinion, if he had have carried United to four wins or five wins out of five, how many games they played in, in the Premier League that month um, and they won all the games because of his goal scoring contributions and all that you kind of say yeah fair play he deserves it but like they, they lost one of the games they drew one of the games and uh, he, he scored tap-ins and he didn't have any assists I don't think either so I don't know I think it was a bit of a sentimental award um, and it, listen if there was nobody else that deserved it you'd probably say yeah whatever fair enough but in my opinion obviously closer to home I think probably Mo Salah probably deserved it, in fairness. And even even players like the likes of Abdullah Akure for Everton, I mean, he literally changed games uh, on his own. He scored, scored goals, got assists. Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, obviously close to home and stuff like that. I'm sure there's plenty of players in other teams that probably deserved it more than Ronaldo. But, like you say, probably sentiment um, comes into it a little bit. And that's probably the reason why he got it, which I don't agree with, really. And it kind of... I'm not going to say spits in the face of the rest of the players because that's a bit much, but it kind of doesn't give any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't give any uh, 
it doesn't basically make make it a real award anymore. Who cares who wins the type of thing? Gentlemen, what do you think of it? Yeah, well, uh, like just what you said, there, ha- there has been a couple of players that started off the season really well, and um, that are probably like probably sat there thinking, "What?" When it was when it was awarded, I mean, the stats that go with it. And we're not just gonna like we're not gonna lump it on uh, United because the facts are we still got what, what like four goals in the month of September, was it? Yeah. So like it's not, it's not like he didn't do anything, regardless of whether the tap ins or not. He still got four goals, which is pretty good, or or maybe five. I'm not sure. Bruno got a, uh, a hat trick and Pogba got four assists in one game at the start of the season as well. Yeah, I think they're August though, aren't they? Who got who Anywhere, got the August yeah. one? Anywhere you were. <laughs> nobody it was one game or something in August, I think. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, no, but like right there, yeah. there's even players that like and the, the great help to this type of thing is like fancy football who like it shows you who gets points for their, their contributions and stuff and like Percy, even the likes of Gabriel Jesus, I think I think in September Man City won five nil three games in a row. Mm. And like he, he had a heavy involvement in the goals in all three of them games. Uh, Salah's numbers in September were frightening. He obviously continued them into October. He has assists as well as the goals. I think, to be honest with you, like it's without sounding bias, at the moment, Salah's probably the best player in the world on form. You could probably say with Benzema. But yeah, yeah. Like, like even people listening to this podcast will probably agree the Spanish league isn't as tough. So somebody getting seven goals in the Premier League and someone getting nine in La Liga. He's no, doing it for France like... though as well, Benzema. He's doing it for France as well. Like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I suppose, but is it, yeah, it's, I'd say it's them too and probably Lewandowski because he, he's kind of continuing going. They're probably the three in form best players in the world at the moment. Mm. Um, aside from your Ronaldo's and your Messi's that, uh, that I just can't see in that bracket. Like, I think Haaland's been out injured, but Salah definitely should have won the award. There was other contenders. Like even you could look at the likes of Embermo off uh, Brentford or even Ivan Tony, the impact they had in the month of September as well. Um, mm. a couple of Brighton players probably would argue that, like they could have been in it. I mean, yeah, yeah, like he's player of the month, and I don't think they're even as it sits right now in the top four in the league. So I like the way I see it is usually the player of the month should generally be on the team of whoever got manager of the month unless that player of the month has just had an absolutely unbelievable month in terms of numbers and stuff, or maybe the team hasn't done as well, but generally the two go hand in hand. So, yeah, I was, it's only a, it's only a player of the month award. To be honest with you, player of the month, uh, goal of the month, those type of awards, they don't really mean too much to me. It's it's more the one at the end of the season that I care about a bit more. Yeah, yeah. but I suppose towards, to the player, it, it probably does mean a lot. Like, do you know what I mean? To be recognised by the Premier League and, and people voting and stuff like that, that, that player of the month and stuff like that it would be nice to get it especially ahead of the likes of Ronaldo and stuff like that but I suppose uh, our judgement is probably a little bit clouded with the fact that in the month of September they got knocked out of the cup and stuff like that um, by West Ham and stuff like that but that's a cup game so that doesn't come into it uh, they didn't really do well in the Champions League either so maybe it was a bit clouded by that but league form wise I suppose a couple of goals against Newcastle and stuff like that like I'm not sure. There's, I think there's there's other stats with him where, like, statistically, he's the worst player in the league in terms of defensively. Like, for even just for even just closing somebody down, I think he's the worst return. So, when you're talking about a player of the month, if that's the type of stats he's returning, he clearly isn't player of the month. Yeah. But, think, but he's, scoring, Curry, he's scoring the goals. So Curry, in terms of all round defensive creating and scoring goals as well, obviously. Um, 
he, he's definitely Everton's player of the month. Whatever about the Premier League player of the month, he's definitely Everton's player of the month, along yeah. with the likes of Gray and, and Townsend. But listen, we'll touch on that again, touch on stuff like that again. Um, I want to just quickly ask you, Ed, in terms of, obviously it's affecting you this weekend before we get into the upcoming fixtures and it'll roll us nicely into the upcoming fixtures as well. Um, obviously, Liverpool are going to probably, might, look, it's looking like they're going to be without Alisson and Fabinho uh, due to the upcoming, like like we're saying, we're sitting here recording this Thursday evening and the lads are still over in Brazil. Do you know what I mean? And they're not going to be on the plane from Brazil till probably you're talking probably eight or nine o'clock tomorrow, our time. So, listen, do you think there's too many international games? Obviously, we all think there's too many international breaks, but they have to play the game sometime. But they surely two in each international break is enough and the players should be already at home with their clubs at this stage, surely. I just, I just think it's crazy how uh, the clubs and the corresponding FAs for whichever players it, it Whichever players it relates to, like for example, we we'll take Brazil because I think it affects the Argentine players as well, and I think maybe Colombian, but it doesn't really. I don't think it affects too many permanent clubs. I think you might be affected by Yerry yeah, Mina. Yeah, Yerry Mina. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I don't understand how an agreement can't be got between the Brazilian FA and Liverpool, for example, and just say, listen, you've three games there. If you want our relationship to continue on a good footing, if they play that tour game, we can't play them in possibly the next two fixtures upon their arrival back. Struck a, mm. Strike a deal, play them in the first two games, play other players that are maybe a little bit closer to the Brazilian continent that might play in Brazil, might play in maybe the MLS. They have got a couple of players in the squads from those teams. And just try to do it as fairly as you can so that some clubs can get some of their key players back because at the end of the day, the clubs are the ones paying for it. You know? and, but... This is all an issue with people. Like we had a we had a podcast there last year, and there was obviously more over the Super League and like FIFA were obviously going mad because it meant they were going to leave that organization and go start up their own league somewhere. But you can understand why these clubs are getting frustrated when there's shit like this. Why mm. why is there a game at one a.m. Thursday night going into Friday morning? Like just like who made the fixture list? There's no need for that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like like Ireland play guitar in a friendly. Grand, like the friendly wasn't needed. It was obviously done for political reasons and for funding, maybe and stuff like that. But at least it was done on a Wednesday. So if now we don't have any players good enough for a Premier League team, but like it, it just means they're still getting four or five days rest before they have to go back. But it's like over in South America, I think they care about the nations more so than we might do over here, or maybe we just don't care because we're Irish and Ireland are shy, yeah. but. Like I'm sure, I'm sure English fans absolutely love international breaks because some of their best players and some of the best players in the world are all on the same team. So it's probably exciting for them. They might like it, but I don't think anybody wants to see international breaks for three fixtures. Certainly not what? ones going all the way until nearly the start of a Premier League weekend. Yeah, but maybe the Premier League and and um, need to kind of look at them, look at it themselves as well. Um, Obviously, everybody's on international. Like a lot, all most the, major, the majority of Premier League teams are going to have players on international duty, right? So you can't really prioritize um, some teams over others. But to have Liverpool at a on a half twelve kickoff on a Saturday, knowing that a good few other players and probably Watford players are over in in Africa and stuff like that playing, surely coming off the back of an international break, there shouldn't be a half twelve kickoff. 
to be fair. Yeah, pro- probably not, probably but probably. I, I think it's I, I think it's all um the TV rights deal. Yeah, so like yeah, but surely they they can they can say listen. Like they, they were doing it last year uh, during the COVID pandemic. They had a game at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night on a Saturday. Move the half twelve kickoff to eight o'clock at night on a Saturday. Yeah, then, but see, they, they, that that was only because of COVID and like unprecedented circumstances. So they changed it up so that people stuck in their houses with a core view weren't stuck with like ten matches on at three o'clock on a Saturday, which is what we but, usually get. But, but that fair, rule. But, what, but, the, but you're talking about, about in terms of players' interests. Surely, players' well, interests into a ring. But the players' interests, Matt, like the players are paid because of the TV deals. So if a TV deal over in Asia says we want the game at half 12 because over there it could be five in the evening, that's when the first game should start and they're going to get millions of people viewing it. Unfortunately, yeah. the players will just have to shut up and do what they're told or else take a massive pay cut and play the games at times to suit them. And I'm pretty sure they'll go for the first option. But you yeah, can't, like... Yeah. The reason as well, like they've they've other reasons that the clubs all agreed and it's signed that like they don't want uh, all the matches shown live at three o'clock and live at different times because then it reduces fans going to them because fans couldn't go during COVID. That's why they changed the yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. But now they're allowed back. It, it you know it makes sense, but what it just doesn't make sense. It's the Brazilian FA or the Copa America or whatever. It's in their interest to keep the clubs sweet. And to, and to keep a good relationship going with it. And I just don't see the need for them to fix it. There's only three fixtures on that. You know what yeah. I mean? There's only three fixtures on There's no need for them to be done now. They could be done at a different... Sure, there's another international break in a month. Yeah, but you know what I mean? I, I just... There as well. But listen, um, Thibaut Courtois, uh, the... Was he Real Madrid goalkeeper now, isn't he? Um, yeah. He obviously had a lot of strong words to say about it after they were beaten in the third place playoff. He was kind of saying, what's the point in this third place playoff? I mean, like we, we, we could be home, uh, we could be at home now with our clubs, resting up, training, preparing for the next league game. But no, we have to stay on for a Saturday, um, three o'clock tour place playoff against uh, who were they playing against? Italy, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Italy, yeah. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, this, it's ridiculous. What, what, there's no need for that game to take place, yeah. in fairness. Can, like, you, and, can you imagine, like, right, let's say as a Man City fan, no. I think the squads, the managers, the managers knew themselves. They have, I, I reckon they're in the same boat as the players with the, the fixture schedule and stuff. I think both managers heavily rotate their squads for that third place playoff. But can you imagine if you were a Leicester fan, for example, and Yuri Tillemans plays in a third place playoff of an absolutely nothing trophy just because you wait for want a bit more money and he gets injured for a couple of months. Can you imagine how, like, Rage to be as a Leicester fan, and your man as well. Yeah, Timothy Castagna plays one as well. Yeah, or, or even Man City. Like, imagine Kevin De Bruyne or something done as ACL in a tour place playoff of a Nations League game. Like, you'd be absolutely snapped. It's just, we, we, it's probably just because, listen, in, in UK and Ireland, like everyone loves the Premier League, and I think it, it takes precedence over international football for everybody. But it's just, there's no need for these like pointless games, there's really not. I, I'd sooner that game wasn't on. They played the final and just straight into the Premier League fixtures. Like, I'd be more than happy to to not see that game. And I think a lot of people were probably saying, I doubt even a lot of people watched it, to be honest. No, I, I, I compl- the only reason, I actually only seen the last 10 minutes of it because I forgot it was a 3, three o'clock kickoff. I actually thought this, the tour place player was on the Saturday and the final was on the Sunday. That's what I thought. But, but listen, like it's, even- it's one of those, it's, it's those age-old 
age-old things and it's always going to happen. But you, you can see like player power coming into it a little bit. The players are starting to voice their opinions. I mean, Courtois straight after the game on live TV started voicing his opinion. But it's one of those, so it's, we're going to keep going on. But we do have the Premier League back this weekend, Ed. It's coming up. Obviously, we were just touching on it. Liverpool could be without a few players. Watford probably could be without a few players as well. Quarantine's going to come into it and all this kind of stuff. But listen, half 12 kickoff, uh, Liverpool against Watford. Take a show. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, on the back of our chat, like uh, about the international thing and then the Brazilian players missing that, to be honest with you, Liverpool aren't in the worst position in the world. Uh, Firmino didn't go because he was recovering from an injury anyway. So he trained in Liverpool. He's fit and good to go. We are only missing Fabinho and Alisson. And I did see something there today. Um, I saw saying that Alisson could actually still play, even though he'll only land about 14 hours beforehand, which I disagree with. I don't think he should play if that is the case. But they're citing the fact that he's a goalkeeper and he doesn't need to be too fit, that he'd be able to manage standing in goals for 90 minutes. But Fabinho would be a different story. But we're not we're not missing him heavily. Like it, I'm going to say this now and touch wood. It's only Wofford. So yeah. if this if this was to happen and let's say it was against City or United or Chelsea or Everton, for example, or whatever, like big games, I, I would be fume, more fuming over the situation. But I reckon <laughs> the rest of the team, there should be enough there to beat Watford, to be fair. Ranieri's, um, Ranieri's first game, manager just about, just about to say, the only thing is, though, uh, that we could get that managerial bounce um, that usually does happen. But what I don't understand is, Matt, and I don't know if you agree with me, because obviously that second happened and we touched on it last, uh, just on the last podcast. I don't actually think Watford were doing that bad. So well, Seven points in seven games. Yeah, in terms of a manager's bounce, like, I don't really see how much better Ranieri can do with those players than the, the last manager was doing. It's just such a typical Watford thing to just sack a manager after about four minutes. But... Mm-hmm. I could see a comfortable Liverpool win. Um, there's no other injury concerns, and Trent and Jota are both back fit. Um, Jota potentially got injured for Portugal. He came off injured, but it's nothing that he's back in training. And Trent is obviously back from that injury he suffered that made him miss the Man City game. Um, so I'd say Liverpool should be able to take that one. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think... Um... The only th- obviously the only issues that Liverpool have is obviously the injured players, players coming back from international duty, and Watford having that managerial bounce. Half twelve kickoffs are always notoriously difficult, especially if the big teams are away from home. I think uh, Watford's home ground usually does be bouncing as well, especially with the new manager coming in. So yeah, could be a tricky one, but yeah, I think I wouldn't say it's going to be a comfortable win, but I do see Liverpool winning the game. Yeah, well, that moves us on. Uh, there's a host of games on at three o'clock as there usually is. Um... Um, we started off with Leicester at home to Man United, which is potentially one of the games of the week. Well, anyway, on paper, it is uh, the forms of both teams probably won't make it possible game of the week. But mm. um, I don't see it in here, but a United win, to be honest. Um, Fred misses out due to that uh, Brazilian group of players as well, which I think is a massive benefit for Man United. Um <laughs> Leicester, I don't know if there's any like fresh injury concerns or anything like that, but I know basically since the start of the season, they've been going with basic, the bare minimum, the bare bones in the fence. Uh, they're, they're having an awful time with injury at the moment. 
But Man, Man United could be uh, are without Varane and Maguire. Yes, so they're without those two, and the United fans are going into meltdown because they're without those two for a couple of games. As I uh, like to wind up my mates, imagine it was a whole season. Yeah. And we just throw Lindelof in there as well, and then throw about three other players out for a couple of months, and then we'd see yeah, if, yeah, yeah, if it's yeah, really yeah. an issue, you know. But hey, look, we're not going into that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call it a draw purely because... I don't think Leicester have enough to win it, but I don't think United are going to be secure enough to keep a clean sheet. So I could see a draw on that one, to be honest. So you went from saying you don't see yet another than a United win to a draw in the space of 30 seconds? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I to be think, fair. I don't, think, I don't think I said that. Did I? I just said both forms, both teams are bad. He did say that, yeah. But listen, anyway, uh, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. Uh, if United turn up... Um, Leicester have been so hot and cold this season. Like, like we all thought they were going to do really well this year. They just seem to be really hot and cold. They don't really seem to be kicking off. Vardy kind of seems to be saving them a little bit, which is a bit strange. Um, they do have a lot of talent in the squad. Obviously, they're missing key players like Fafana and stuff like that. Um, James Madison doesn't seem to be getting games, which is a bit strange as well. He seems to be one of their best creative players. Um, but <laughs> Rashford, Rashford coming back for United potentially as well. Apparently he's he's played a game behind closed doors and he's back in training and stuff like that. So he could be back uh, for Manchester United in that game. So that could be a big one for them. Would you um, throw him in? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays. I w- I wouldn't. Personally, I wouldn't. I this would be the one game if I was Ali. I'd say, right, kind of fucked here at the back. Play Sancho in his actual position, which is left wing which is why you chased him for two years for, because you wanted someone on the left wing. Move Greenwood onto the right. The fella is one of the most comfortable footballers I've ever seen with both feet. So you can't say he can't play on that side, but Sancho does struggle on the right-hand side. Hmm. I would, I'd start them too. And then obviously, Ronaldo has to start off uh, up front. Otherwise, he'll, uh, he'll go off crying again. But um, that's, the way, that's the way I'd start. I wouldn't throw Rashford back in. I'd hang on to him until the European games are on the week against Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe give him a half an hour. If, if they're tuning up and it looks comfortable and you're swapping yeah. Rashford for Greenwood or Sancho, it's not a bad sub to make if that yeah, exactly. if that does happen. But otherwise, if it's, clo- if it's close or if it's tight, I wouldn't be throwing him in. He definitely can't be sharp enough. Yeah, potential potential to be game of the week. Uh, like you say, you don't see I don't see either team keeping a clean sheet either as well, obviously because... But listen... Bailey and Lindelof have played together before. They've they've done all right with each other before as well. It's not as if they're going to be massively under strength by that. Obviously, they prefer to have Maguire and Varane. But I yeah, don't well, actually, you're right because I don't think they have a Premier League clean sheet this season yet. And those two have played, I think, every minute of the games. Actually, Varane didn't start. I think the first two or three games. Yeah, but, yeah I think they, they. I don't think they have a clean sheet at home for nine games or something like that. I think that was the uh, that came yeah. out of the Everton game. But um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. But uh, yeah, I'll I I'm gonna go with a score draw there, probably a two-two yeah. draw in that game. Yeah. Uh, that moves on to the next game, which is Man City at home to Burnley. Uh, I I think I said it last week, Matt. I think Burnley are gonna go down. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've been treading treading waters for for a long time with like that tight budget and some of the horrible stereotypes that go with them, uh, like. They played Liverpool in the second game of the season and they were the first team in like 20 years to field the team with numbers 1 to 11. Like they just, I know you have a couple of teams you don't like, Borne or yours this, this year. I've never really had a liking for Borne. I don't really think they offer much. I don't like the football they play. 
and I can I can actually see Man City thumping them to be honest with you. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. Like we like you say, Man City are very strong uh, this season in the league and stuff like that. Um, I just I just don't like Burnley this season. I just don't. I'm, I'm sick of the way they play and stuff like that. Like obviously it was Palace last year, but Palace have surprised us this year. Um, they've they've started to play really good football. I just don't like teams that are just in the league to take points off off teams for yeah. and and not and not try and progress. There's no progression with Burnley. Like that, like they don't seem to want to break into the top ten. They had that season a few years ago and they've gone backwards. Usually teams yeah. should try and kick for, kick on forward and stuff like that. I like Sean Dyche as a manager uh, and a person. I think he, I think he should move on to a better a better team in the near future. I hope I hope he does. Uh, but he just signed a new contract there recently, I think, as well with Burnley. So that's that kind of out of the window, I suppose. Unless See, I think they were I think they were recently taken over by wealthy enough owners. Now not obviously yeah. not the top ten wealthiest in the league, but more than more than wealthy enough to provide signings for the club and to kick them on. But it's just I actually I'm I'm with you on that. I like Sean Dice. Uh, like he, when he interviews and stuff like that, he's always great crack. He, he's a very likable guy. It's just he's obviously playing within his means. He's playing with what he has. I don't know whether he recruits that type of player because if he does, then obviously it is on him. But it just seems like they get tall, aggressive, bulky players and literally just try the physical game and hope to nick a winner. And that just it doesn't appeal to me. Um, yeah. I can also see City just with the draw against Liverpool. Um, and I think did they lose the week before the Liverpool game or did they lose in, in uh, Paris or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so their their form at the moment isn't great. So they could probably do with just getting back on track, getting a couple of goals, a uh, comfortable win, and I can't see anything other than that. If I'm honest, man. Yeah, I probably agree with you as well. I probably say like a three or four now win. To be honest, I don't see Burnley scoring against them. But listen, we've been long before. Um, but listen, we have a, we have um a few more games there before the evening game that they're not very interesting. So we'll fly through the next three. Yeah, Villa and Wolves. Um. Norwich at home to Brighton and then Southampton at home to Leeds. To be honest with you, Matt, all three of them I'd probably be saying the same thing for. Um, I could see Villa, Brighton, Leeds being the three winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely Brighton. Not sure about Villa because Wolves have actually looked decent in the last uh, couple of games. They look like they're starting to get the coach's ideas. Yeah. That could be a tough one. And Leeds and Southampton, Leeds are still missing a host of players. Um, Southampton are just, I'm actually worried about them as well. Yeah. I could probably see Leeds just about nicking it, but that probably won't be a great game to watch. I could see Brighton comfortably beating Norwich and Villa. I could see Villa nicking it if they turn up, but they've had a couple of games this season, Villa, where they've actually played really well and lost the games, which is what Brighton were doing last year. Mm-hmm. And they've obviously lost Grealish and they replaced them with a couple of players who are quality players, but I just think I just think they need they need about 10, 10 to fifteen games before they can get to know each other and play better and stuff like that. So I do feel like Villa will be okay this season, but at the moment I, I think that'll be a score draw, then Brighton, then Leeds. Yeah, I kinda of tend to agree with you. I think Wolves, even though they're getting the manager of the day, they're still not really exciting me. Um like they should be doing like with the players they have and stuff like that. But um Aston Villa at home. But the money they've spent, you should see them winning this game. This is a bit of a derby, isn't it? Aston Villa against Wolves. Yeah, I think it is, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a bit of a derby. So, yeah, I agree with you with Brighton. Brighton away to Norwich. Um, I kind of agree. Brighton have a fantastic start of the season. They're the surprise of the season so far. 
um, Graham Potter been linked. We did we didn't actually touch on the Newcastle uh, news. We will uh, just after these fixtures, um, and yeah, Leeds 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 need to get points on the board. It's as simple as that. I, I think Southampton will probably go down. In, in in fairness, they'd be my team to go down ahead of Burnley, like you say. But um, yeah, Leeds Leeds need to get points on the board. They got a good a decent win just before the international break, but they they definitely need to get more points on the board coming up in the next few games, especially away to Southampton. The evening kickoff, Ed, uh, Brentford at home to Chelsea. Looking forward to this one, to be, to be honest with you. Um, this, this could be potentially game of the week uh, in terms of um, goals to be scored and stuff like that. Uh, Brentford, obviously, like we, we keep saying, they kind of remind us of Sheffield United when they came up a couple of seasons ago. Very attacking. Uh, they, well, when I say doing well defensively, they do still leak, leak a couple of goals, but they're, they're kind of outscoring their opponents as well. Exciting. Um, but listen, it's Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Chelsea are probably up there to be one of the favourites for the league. Um, probably could be a few, few players come back from international duty as well, could be tired and stuff like that. But listen, Chelsea's squad is massive. I'm sure they're going to be well capable of, of putting out a really strong team against Brentford. Um, under the lights, um, Brentford's stadium's going to be hopping. I'm not going to say it's going to be a comfortable uh, Chelsea win, but I'll, I'll, I'll say Chelsea probably will win it. Um, probably be about 2-1 or 3-2 maybe. It could be an exciting game. What do you think, Ed? To be honest, man, I'm actually going to go the opposite. If Brentford play anything like they did against Liverpool, against Chelsea, I actually think they'll have more joy. The, the reason is Chelsea like to play with that back five. and They'll call it a 3-5-2 or whatever, but effectively when it's Chelsea, they sit back in in their five and then they try to counter-attack, which is basically two shells uh, game plan. Um, Brentford play 4-4-2. They're mm. like... They're, they're a throwback and the two lads up front like it, this will probably sound biased but I, if on paper I've seen Ivan Tony and Anna Bermo come up against Van Dijk and Matip or Rudiger and Christensen or Rudiger and Chalaba whoever's starting for Chelsea at the moment Thiago, Thiago Silva Thiago Silva all day every single day I'd be saying that the two Liverpool players would probably keep a clean sheet Tony gave Matip awful time. And Matip's not bad in the air. And mm. Matip's probably the same height as him. And he just dominated him in the air. And if you can do that to Matip, he can certainly do it to any of the Chelsea back three. And I also just think that the way they play 4 4 2 stop, Chelsea will actually end up losing the game in midfield. I, I don't see them having enough bodies around midfield to be able to get in and about Brighton or Brentford. And like you said, they seem to do well at half five on on, uh, on a Saturday or, or the nighttime fixtures in the Premier League so far. There's a there's a great atmosphere there. I can just see Brentford nicking it. I don't I, I don't know why. It's just it's it's one of them. Like they they done brilliant against Arsenal. They done brilliant against Liverpool. They've won other games in between, and I, I don't know. I can just see them catching Chelsea napping. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um... It's one of those, isn't it? You can't really call it. Um, you probably wouldn't put Chelsea to win in your accumulator simply because Chelsea will probably be really strong favourites. And like like you said, there could be an upset there. But yeah, I, I, I'm still going to say a Chelsea win because these are the games that Chelsea obviously need to win if they want to keep their, their favourite status up there as well. And Fuck, I'm, so going many, so many, I'm going balls. I'm going balls. 2-1 Brentford for me. Very grand. Okay, I, I think Chelsea will win. Just simply the fact that they, they have a strong bench as well. Like if if they, if things aren't going their way yeah. and Brentford are playing playing uh, frustrating them, Chelsea can just mix it up and, and 
take three players off and bring on three different, completely different players. And, and, and actually, credit to him on that. I must actually say, in the Premier League at the moment, I'd say Thomas Tuchel is probably the best manager at making a change on the spot. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, if he notices the game's not going right, he'll make a sub in the 30th minute and change the formation. Oh, like Mourinho used to do. Mm. Not many managers actually do that. A lot of managers tend to give their, their starting lineup till at least half time and only if they're 3-0 down, they might make a sub. But like if it's the 30 minutes, nil all and something's not working, Tuchel will take someone off and change the system up and that's so Yeah, to be fair, if, if it is going Brentford's way, he's probably the one manager in the league that can change it. But yeah, yeah I, I actually think, I think that will be game of the week, to be fair. He's the one manager in the league that can change it, but he's also the one manager in the league that has an unbelievable squad to choose from. Uh, like, <laughs> literally can put out two different... Like Any manager, to be fair, can just turn around and and have serious talent on the bench, stuff like that, and uh, be able to change the game. Like you, like Rafa Benitez, when he turns around... You think so, but Oli seems to struggle, doesn't he? Right, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's was, but, ser- but seriously, what I mean is, I don't mean yeah, like, yeah. yo, he can just take Werner off and put ZH on. I don't mean like straight swaps. I mean, he's clever. Like he, he sees yeah. the position of the pitch where they're getting, where the yeah. impact's coming, and he's, he fixes it. Like he, tactically, he's he's probably the best manager in the league at making a change on the spot. Yeah, definitely. Like you would, you definitely wouldn't. In terms of Tuchel and and Ali, you'd definitely say he's far superior in terms of tactical awareness and stuff like that. But listen, that's another thing. We're we're not going to get stuck into Ali and tactics and all that again because we've we've berated him enough. Um, but. That's so. That's the that's Saturday's fixtures finished. Uh, seven games on Saturday, so loads of football there on a Saturday. Two games on Sunday, starting off two o'clock kickoff between Everton and West Ham. Uh, Rafa Benitez had a press conference today. He said that Luca Dean is back fit. Luca Dean pulled uh, pulled up with a hamstring injury in, on France, uh, Judy there during the week. Uh, but he's back in training with Everton, uh, which is good news. Um, not too sure on the availability of Dominic Carvalhoan or Richardson. I think both are kind of back in light ball work training. So this game might come a little bit too early. And like you said before, Yerry Mean and stuff come back from international duty and stuff like that. So I'm not too sure in terms of uh, squad strength, how we're getting on. But it's good to have Luca Dean back and stuff like that. And listen, we've coped okay without the likes of Richardson and Dominic Carvalhoan. So I can see us doing okay at home. We've had a, we've had a good, good start to the season in terms of our home record. Um, West Ham I'm not too sure how to take West Ham obviously they, could, they can be absolutely brilliant and Antonio's a nightmare uh, up front but I think the likes of Yerry Mina and Michael Keane could probably do, do a number on him in terms of strength like two of them like he's, he's obviously an absolute animal up front and stuff like that for, for West Ham and they do have a lot of creative tricky players there uh, the likes of Ben Rama um, Jared Bowen as well he's, he's, a, he's a danger down the for now, uh, apparently Seamus Coleman is back, which is a plus for us as well. Um, we could probably have Ben Godfrey then in the middle if we do want to go with a bit of pace with Antonio. So, in, in terms of the back line, we're okay. It's it's just going forward. Hopefully, we still have a bit of firepower. We do still have Townsend and Gray, um, and and Rondon obviously is doing okay up top. He, like he actually had had a decent game against United last time, last time out. But yeah, if Everton can get a win here it'd be an unbelievable start to the season we have another home game the following week as well so yeah looking forward to that as well so gonna go with a clean sheet here for Everton and a 1 or 2 nil win for Everton this game I'm gonna be brave and, and say that but then we have another game the richest club in the world 
Newcastle United <laughs> <laughs> going going up going up against Tottenham Hotspur. So listen, mental week uh, for Newcastle. This came out of blue, to, to be honest, with you, um, after we recorded the last podcast, it was kind of like out of nowhere. This takeover is back on, and the next day it was done. Um, it was very strange. Um, obviously, you know, your Newcastle fans are over the moon with it. We, we I'm not going to delve too much into into it because it's probably you could probably record a whole podcast on it. But listen, the takeovers happened. Mike Ashley's no longer involved in Newcastle. Newcastle's next five to ten years are going to be mental crazy. It's basically the modern era version of what Man City and Chelsea have gone through previously. So it's going to be mental. Um, Mbappe, anybody? He's out of contract next year. Get involved. You know what? Get involved. <laughs> you know what, Matt? Just before you like we actually talk about that game, I have to say I'm absolutely delighted for Newcastle. Same here. Yeah. And just to, like on it, right? There's a couple of owners in the Premier League where the fans don't want them there. And I think a couple of fan bases can be a tiny bit delusional about what their owners are actually doing for their club. Mm. Like the United fans, the Arsenal fans can't stand their owner. But realistically, they have constantly provided money for the squad to improve, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Ashley has not given that team any money for the last two years. And for the previous 12 to 14, he had Alan Pardew in on a nine-year contract or a seven-year contract. And they were spending not big fees on players and they were just buying a lot of players that were like hit and miss. Like their record signing was Miguel Almiron for 24 million or something. Until Joe Linton came along, but like even look at that. If if you were to hear those two names are your, are your like transfer records for your club, you'd feel like crying, wouldn't you? Yeah, like exactly. they have a massive stadium it's right in the center of, this, of of the city. It was England's backup stadium when Wembley was getting done up. That's how big it is. I mean, the club like when we were kids, Newcastle were in the Champions League. Asprilla scoring a hat trick on his debut against Barcelona. You had. The whole Kevin Keegan era where they came second to Man United when they were like nine points clear at one stage and stuff. They have Alan Shearer, the, top the, Premier League goal the, scorer. Yeah, the league's the league's record ever goal scorer <laughs> basically got ninety percent of his goals at Newcastle. So listen, it's the it's clubs like Newcastle, not Forest and, and those type of clubs. They're the ones where you hope Leeds, for example, they're the ones where you're like, listen, they've suffered enough. You'd like to see a bit of uh, good fortune come their way. Now, in three or four years from now, I might be saying, can't stand Newcastle, bastards. They just buy everything. But, like, realistically, yeah, right for now... The, for the fans, for the fans, I'm delighted. It, yeah, what, they deserve it. what we're saying. It's what we're saying. They, they, they deserve, deserve it, man. Um, yeah. obviously, obviously, it could turn into a bit of a joke in terms of the money they're going to be able to spend and stuff like that. But... I've seen yeah. loads of stuff about, like, because the way Mike Ashley's ran the club for the last three years, because he's not put money into it, I've seen something about the fact that they've they've actually technically not been in debt for the last three years, which actually gives them a grace period of three years to spend what they want before they'd have to worry about and a financial fair play uh, yeah, situation. Yeah, so yeah. technically they can spend what they want for the next couple of years and they can just cutely, like the way City done, sponsor their own stadium, sponsor their own kit, pump the money back in that way, get rid of the financial fair play issues. Obviously, they probably... apparently, apparently they're they're creating small companies and they're that are going to be multi billionaires and pump money back into it and sponsor the corner flag, yeah. sponsor the stadium, sponsor this and all that kind of stuff. But listen, that's the way football's going. They're making a new airline. I think the same company that uh that bought them. So basically, I'd imagine that airline 
is going to be the new name of the stadium and probably going to be on the middle of the shorts, which, again, why not? I'm hoping, I'm, hoping they, they, I'm hoping they put the name of the stadium back to St. James's Park and not the Sports Direct Arena, uh, to be honest. Well, what they'll do, what they'll do, because like, at the start now, it's a popularity contest. They know that they have nothing to lose. They know they're walking in with bags of money, so the Newcastle fans will already love them. But if they sack Steve Bruce, which they're going to, they're definitely going to. Once new owners come in, they tend to sweep out all the dust out. But if they get rid of him, the fans will only love them even more because they, they use him as a scapegoat. But also, if they did change the name back to St. James's Park and made little tiny changes that would mean more to the local fans, that, that club could end up being a force to be reckoned with in the next five, six years. I'd say it'd be even quicker than that, to be honest with you, the money they spend. like they're like there's, there's players there on contracts, like the likes of Ryan Fraser. Um, Callum Wilson, Jeff Hendrick, and all they all came in on free contracts, so like they'll be easy enough to get rid of, just pay them off. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, w- it won't be that big of a deal for them. They're gonna really splash. The- I think they're gonna spend a few quid in January just just to make sure they stay in the bleeding league because it will be funny if they end up getting relegated. Ah, the richest, richest club in the world. But listen, we'll listen, we're, we're probably gonna talk a lot about that, um, more in depth next week, yeah. um, yeah. when we have a little bit of a chat about it in the middle of it. Um, to be fair, but listen, in terms of the Newcastle game this weekend, I'd say St James's Park, the Sports Direct Arena, whatever it's called at the moment, it's going to be absolutely hopping, hopping. And I think if Spurs could pick any team, I think Spurs would rather play City again this weekend than play Newcastle because it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. And I can see Newcastle probably winning this game just for the simple fact of the whole the stadium's going to be bouncing, the players are going to be. Feel good factor. It'd be yeah. interesting to see if Steve Bruce is still in charge. I I wouldn't be surprised if they sacked him and let the assistant manager just take control of it for that game. Then worry about whatever happens after that. But Jesus Christ, it's it's gonna be an absolute like so it's a late kickoff on a Sunday. It's gonna be unreal. It'd probably it'd probably be one of the most watched games that weekend. But um definitely in uh in Saudi Arabia anyway. <laughs> <laughs> definitely in Saudi the country Saudi Arabia, yeah, definitely. But um Maybe it might be illegally streamed. Who knows? Uh, in terms of piracy. oh no, the, I think I think the only reason the deal got put through was because they admitted to it now and got rid of it. So now there's no more um, piracy on the football matches over there. It's the only way that it could get done. So yeah, I think yeah. I think Newcastle, I think Newcastle um, it's going to be an interesting one. Of that I, listen, Spurs could could turn up and still batter them. Like Newcastle players, wise still aren't a good team, but we're we're kind of basing this on the the new. The new owners, the the stadium being on wheels and stuff like that, maybe it could be a, one of those where, it, like, nobody wants to play Newcastle this weekend. Let's put it that way. But listen, to be fair, to be fair, they're still gonna play Jeff Hendrick, Longstaff. Jesus, I don't even know most of them at this stage anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not like Tottenham aren't in a great vein of form, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the Newcastle player, although they've got taken over. They're still absolutely shy at the moment. The players that they have to pick from, apart from a couple, I know I took a, took a dig at Almiron there a few minutes ago, but he's probably arguably been one of the better players. I just mean in terms of a, an exciting they, transfer. They That's not the one Ma- want. They still have Saint Maxime there. Yeah. he can do a job yeah. as well. Like so, there's two or uh, there's two or three of them that could do it, but I don't know. I don't know if. if the ownership thing would be enough to push them players on because them players probably all know in their heads probably bar St. Maxim that they're probably all going to be gone and won't even be part of it so 
I, I don't know. I don't know what way to call it. I think I think you are right, though. I think the feel good factor and the, the noise of the stadium. T- Tottenham are Tottenham are the type of team that will crumble under that type of pressure. Yeah. And I'd say that is probably the only way Newcastle will get the win because I don't think they're good enough on the pitch at the moment to be able to beat Spurs. Although Spurs aren't in a great form. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Like. It, it, it is going to be interesting to see how the Newcastle players react to this new ownership. I'm sure a lot of them are probably saying to themselves, what's the point in playing here? They, a few of them could down tilt and say, I'm not even playing for this team anymore. I'll see out my contract. I'll sit on the bench, whatever. Like, it's going to be interesting how, how it runs. But listen, um, like it's, we'll, we'll just go with a Newcastle win this weekend for the fans. Steve Perfect Bruce has won 1,000th game in the Premier League as well. So is it, yeah? Yeah, well, top flight, not not the Premier League as it's called, but top flight, okay, one thousand yeah, so. game. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully he's there for it, and Joe off for the week that's in it. Hopefully they do get a win. Yeah, and then Steve Bruce gets a, a new contract and all that'd be great crack, wouldn't it? Seven year uh, contract. <laughs> Monday night football, Arsenal against Crystal Palace. This is gonna be an interesting game, actually. Potential game of the week as well. There's a few games there that are kind of. Um, I was I was listening to um a YouTube uh, channel today, uh, ninety minute football. And they said they think this is the first game week where a top six team hasn't played each other, which is interesting. Yeah, I think they're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Arsenal against Crystal Palace is going to be an interesting game. Um, Crystal Palace doing really well under the new manager. Patrick Vieira going back to his old stomping ground. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Arsenal just still aren't kind of doing it for me this, this season. Like, they're decent squad decent players keeping a couple of clean sheets lately so it's going to be interesting to see how they get on Crystal Palace playing really good football um, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was a nil all draw to be honest with you um, hopefully it's not that hopefully there's a few goals in this it'd, it'd be interesting to see if Palace get the first goal how Arsenal react to it I'm hoping that Arsenal keep a clean sheet because I still have two Arsenal defenders in my team and they've been doing really well for me lately but yeah um, Ed, that's it we're going to wrap it up there we've gone over time Um I, I would have had a bit of trivia there for you, uh, Liverpool trivia, but we'll leave it for next week uh, as this podcast has gone on a bit longer than we, we expected it would. But yeah, Ed, anything to say before you go? No, uh, just actually for that weird stat you got off the podcast, I actually heard another one there uh, the other day as well. This is the first time, I think, after seven game weeks that like it's the lowest amount of wins the bottom of the table have ever produced. I think the I think the stat was something like after seven game weeks from eleventh place down to twentieth, all the teams combined, there's only something like four wins. Wow. Which obviously isn't good whatsoever. So um yeah, I just I heard that stat and thought, Jesus Christ, that's really bad. And you know what? It it's actually shown because I think this league so far this year has been a brilliant league, but there is a massive difference between say, the top 10 teams and the bottom 10 teams this year. And I don't know whether it's because of the way COVID happened or whatever, but, my God, there's some really bad teams on the bottom of that table this year so far. Yeah, there's a lot of draws down there. Um, a lot of draws and stuff like, like Norwich got a draw and stuff like that and Leeds have a few draws. And, well, I think Leeds only have one win or two wins today. So, yeah, you're probably right there with that one. But, yeah, listen, we're going to wrap it up there. Ed, thanks again for your time. Um, we'll definitely have another podcast earlier on uh, next week. So, yeah. Over Matt Smith, he's been Ed Kogan, and that was another week in football.